What is going on and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Rad podcast. My name is Chad and this week we were joined by Mark Healy of the band Saving Sydney. Saving Sydney is a four-piece pop-punk band from Salt Lake City, here from my home state of Utah, and it was an absolute blast talking to Mark. It was a lot different than I anticipated, primarily because I was planning on talking more about Saving Sydney, as well as talking about his previous band, Rejoin the Team, and uh, we ended up just nerding out a lot about music that we love, and about bands we love, and about just so much we actually talked about quite a few things this is this is a really long conversation we had so bear with us it was a lot of fun i think you're going to enjoy this one but before we jump in remember to head on over to social media to uh, spotify apple music wherever you listen to your music save their newest single what are you looking at butthead fantastic name for a song first off and it's a great song and uh, while you're at it you know save the podcast subscribe like it share it and uh you know comment on it helps with whatever getting people to see it and the whole algorithm stuff and uh, i'd love to hear from you if you know any other bands that you'd like to have me talk to on the podcast i am ready to make it happen so without further ado let's just jump right on in awesome well dude thank you so much for joining me on the podcast man i appreciate it yeah thanks for having me i really appreciate uh you doing your podcast um (laughs) like i'm not gonna lie i uh how i found out about you was um your you interviewed uh steven christian from amberland yeah dude huge fan of his yeah i bet that was that would have been a huge moment for me oh dude it was that was insane (laughs) bro it was nuts that was uh how did you work that like how did that happen oh bro i just persistence i guess because <laughs> i just straight up was like i was like hey uh i'm kind of new to this but i've been a big fan for a long time would love to talk to you about your music and uh <laughs> out of nowhere like i received an email i was like i ran downstairs all giddy and told my wife i was like he said he's gonna join me on the podcast and i was just freaking out and uh and it was obviously like the timing was crazy too. Cause it was right before they announced that they were going to be playing with, uh, with under oath as a reunion yeah. show. And then they announced their tour. And so the timing was pretty nutty. It was, it was crazy, big, man. Big fan of big fan of Amberlynn, big fan of under oath. What's your favorite Amberlynn album? Oh, um, what is it? Light is the path. Dark is the way. Dark is the way. Light. Nice. Yeah. No, yeah. I I, dude, I always mix that like how it goes. Yeah. The one with the horse on it. <laughs> one of the horse. Yeah. I was going to say that's the one that every, all of the, like the real fans, they're like, what's the one that has the horse. And you know, cause that's what we notified as I love. Um, uh, so new surrender was like, I was kind of into them before that album came out, but it was like, like, like never take friendship personal. That was like, that's just a banger. From oh, absolutely. Back. Yeah. Um, but I really, I really, really, really loved new surrender for like, I felt like it was an album where it like, I felt like he got really, I mean, he's always wrote, he's, he always writes emotional lyrics. Yeah. But as like from a guitar player standpoint, I'm like, gosh, like they riff like they're yeah. hard on this. And um, I saw him at the warp tour that they did right before I think it was their last, or was the warp tour, wasn't it? If I remember correctly, I could be wrong. Um, but 
they I don't announced know. that they're done. Like they were going to be done at the end of the year or something. And I, I, so I caught their set at work tour. Nice, they, dude. They didn't come through. So yeah. Anyway, frick, man, yeah. I, I've seen them. So how many times is it? I think I've seen them live seven times. <laughs> did you see them when they came at the Big Ass show? Um, and it was in Salt Lake, and it was like winter and they literally it was snowing outside it was at the gallivan, at the gallivan center. center yeah so i went to yeah. that one um that one was a free show though it wasn't even a, yeah. they didn't even yeah. charge people for that one yeah that right. was the that was the third time i seen them so the first yeah. time i saw them was they were they came they were supporting cities was the first time i saw right. them live and that was at the saltaire yeah. and then the next time i saw them was a super intimate show at gray whale in taylorsville oh oh you went to that yeah got to got to meet them uh talk to them for a bit um (laughs) that was for new surrender and then i saw them uh really shortly after that in in concert then gallivan center um and then their their final tour so that's what five times there oh so six times i've seen them and then when they came back on their reunion tour so six times i've seen them (laughs) They're like, you know, they're, they're a band. I mean, they're never going to be, you know, Blink-182 or not that that, I mean, that's a bad example. They're not going to be like, uh, they're never going to be a huge band. They've kind of peaked in a way. Yeah. It's not going to be rise against. It's not going to be, yeah, yeah, it's not going to be up there, but they've got a solid fan base. Yeah. And that's how I found out about you. And I remember listening to the whole thing and I'm like, and then I realized you're from Utah and I was like, oh, that's sick. And so I've just been listening. (laughs) episode you've done and i've discovered like i'm a huge music nerd and obviously playing bands but like i like i found out i've discovered a lot of bands from your podcast so you're doing great great work thank you (laughs) well yeah man yeah it's uh it's an absolute delight because the thing is like for me i'm just a huge music fan as well right like that's the whole reason i i even do the podcast like because To me, music is is so integral to like every part of me, and so uh, so like it's it's funny to uh, to like talk to someone who who like I, I realize that there are a lot more people like me, but I've I've also found that there aren't as many of us as uh, as there uh, you'd think there would be. Because <laughs> like. Yeah, I think there's the casual, like, I think, you know, the, the casual fan that's like, all right, I'm going to go to Warp Tour once a year. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to a couple of shows that are my favorite bands that are coming through. But then there's like the nerds like us that are like, no, we're going to go to Kilby Court and like yeah. we're gonna go to all these places and just go to a show that we don't know who's playing and hopefully come out of there with a new band to listen to. Exactly. Yeah, yeah dude. I, uh, it's it's been it's been awesome and and like i said like with the with the podcast bands like your you know people like yourself will reach out to me and i'll be like heck yeah some new music to find you know so now i know saving sydney and i know rejoin the team and it's like ah this is sweet man it's just and it's for me i've i've been really wanting to to boost the the locality like boost some local stuff because i think it'd be really fun to get more involved with with the local utah scene because when I was in high school, I was so embedded in the Utah scene, like so deeply embedded and it's got a powerful music scene here. It's dope. Yeah. Where do you, where are you from again? 
So I live in Payson, which is like, Payson. Okay. yeah, so super south. Down the road. Okay. So I'm in Salt Lake County. I'm in West Jordan. So okay, yeah, we're just down the road. Yep. Not incredibly far, but that's, that's cool though. No, I, uh, I agree, man. Like when I first started playing shows, I guess we'll get to that at some point, but like that's, I would just go to friends, parents house and whatever band was playing, I would watch their band. Like, yeah. So it was just yeah, man. a whole local thing. And I, you know, I, I don't listen. I, I lately during like the last few years, I really tried to get, try to support more local music, especially the bands we play with, because I'm like, you know, we're all in it together. You know Absolutely. I mean? Yeah. Just have fun, you know, Dude, and it's, it's tough. Cause like the, the thing about, about music and about local bands and about just like, the whole the whole scene is there there are a lot of pieces that need to work together in order to yeah. in order for things to continue working and there was something about like the mid 2000s with uh with the music um in provo particularly like provo and like so basically velour and kilby were yep. huge during the mid 2000s you know awesome like and there was there's quite a few venues popping up all over the place and you had bands like meg and dia coming from utah and you had uh neon trees coming from utah and so you had like you had a bit of a a, a surge here you know you had john allred who's still a close friend of mine oh, i consider him a close friend maybe he doesn't consider me one <laughs> just kidding <laughs> but uh no he um he's still making music and 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 uh he's coming back to velour in like a week and it's it's like the, I think there's going to be a resurgence here in Utah. I'm hoping so. Cause the scene is, I think is so fun. I remember. So in Salt Lake County, um, I remember like in middle school. Well, I remember when, I, so in high school, when we first started playing shows, uh, rejoined the team back in high school, um, we would play with a lot of like indie alternative bands. Like there was a band called dark seas. I remember. And they were like super cool, super well known. Um, but I think people were just trying to follow like the Chelsea grin thing. And I remember mm -hmm. like the, the metal core scene in Utah was like, I mean, we were like playing Blink-182 covers <laughs> playing with like hardcore bands literally. And it was just like, I think back on that and I'm like, and I remember being so embarrassed, not that we were not because of our music, but it was almost like we just didn't really feel, we, we didn't feel like we fit in on those shows. And then looking back, I'm like, that's what makes the show the best is when all the bands are different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's something that happens a lot on local tickets, right? Is, yeah. is you get a really wide variety because it's like, uh, we got to just get whoever we can because that's, that's the best we've got, you know? And it's like, yeah. I, I think it's Go awesome. Ahead. No, I think it's awesome. Well, I've noticed the last like probably three or four years, there's been a huge since like, you know, the 1975 broke through pretty big, I've noticed this huge, like electronic pop thing happening. And I think that's mm -hmm. really like, just from like a musician standpoint, I love listening to it. I love trying to write stuff like that. And I love, like we haven't played. So saving Sydney hasn't played a show in Utah County yet, but I think we're working on that. We'd love to play it like the And I don't know, we're kind of a band that we can kind of, we have heavy stuff and you know, yeah, little, little more softer <laughs> well there's a uh, so strange dude super strange so um someone i've had on the podcast a couple times andrew uh he's 
Uh, he's pretty heavily involved in the music scene. Um, from last I talked to him, he was at that point in time, he was uh, just barely starting at Kilby, but obviously COVID may have put a kibosh on things. I'm not sure. I have to follow up with him. Is this Andrew Connor? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Wired for Havoc. Yeah. Yeah, dude. A super talented so the, dude. Awesome. So the, the drummer that I play with and rejoin the team, he used to play guitar in, in Wired for Havoc. Oh, sick. Yeah, yeah. So like, so like Andrew and I have talked a couple times and he's, yeah. like I said, really heavily involved. And, yes. uh, he got me like, I bought, he, he was like, Hey, I'm, we're doing a show in Spanish fork. It's like Spanish fork, dude, like tiny, you know, at, at this, uh, it's called the Angeles theater. And I saw it used to be the Booth brothers. Right? Yeah. Booth brothers. It's yeah, still booth brothers. Like the, the music store next door is still booth brothers, but they changed the name of the yeah. theater. And uh, weirdly like crazy he got in her own words there and i was like okay which is still one of my favorite bands of all time they're so fantastic <laughs> and i was like I, was, I went and saw them at this like tiny tiny theater in spanish fork and i was like dude let's make music strong again here in the utah county i want it <laughs> oh, yeah. you want to hear an in her own words story absolutely so 2011 we were trying to play a show. They, we, so we joined the team. So me, it was a band I was in in high school, started it with me, Devin and Alec. We wanted, we were, we got really into, it was when they dropped, it was when In Her Own Words dropped Brand New Me. And uh-huh. came out with that, that EP. And it was obviously like, you know, Easy Core, Four Years Strong, and Data Remember. It was very like heavy and poppy at the same time. Uh-huh. They were coming through and, and they reached out to Alec somehow through Facebook and Alec was like, just, we'll just do a show in my backyard. And no way. That's I'll, sick. I'll send you some photos of that show, but literally they played, it was when they had their old singer at the time. Okay. Uh, Cause it's the different vocalist that was on that EP. Than yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, it's not Joey. Right. So it was just, and they're like bass player, like their guitar broke, like there was, and we'd like let them borrow our gear. There was, it was a backyard show. We played it in our own words in 2011. That's so fun, dude. <laughs> dude, that's so I've been a huge fan of those guys for so long. And they're really nice to me. So yeah, dude, they're, they're stellar. Like, yeah. um, that, that live show, it was, it was a lot of fun. They're, they're super cool. I, I've got to get them on the podcast. Let's make that happen. Um, you should. <laughs> so, dude. Uh, Ian, their guitar player. I know he, I don't know if he's, I think he's still in the band. I can't remember, but he, uh, He's really on, he's really into like social media. So I'm sure you, you know, messaged him. Yeah. I'll have to reach out to them. They were actually, you know, they're actually a really cool band from like a local band perspective because they were, they could have been signed to a record label a long time ago. Yeah. And the fact that they waited and waited and waited and waited to do it, I thought was just so cool. Like they literally, so I feel like it's like talking about the music scene, you know, there's a lot of, I have a lot of friends that are in that play in bands that, you know, end up maybe they think, okay, we, we played a few local shows. Now we got to go on tour and, yeah. or, Oh, now we need to get signed to a record label. And it's interesting because the way I view a record label is that they, you know, you know, they take your music that you make, not, not every label, <laughs> They take the music that you make and to make money off of that and try to promote or market a product that they think is marketable 
but what you maybe you think is dishonest. And they literally try to collect the money from that. And so I'm not saying that every record label is like that, but I've just noticed. So I've, I've seen a lot of my friends' bands break up because they get in way over their head, like, oh, we got a tour. And then they go on a tour and then they break up. And it's like, it's really sad. Yeah. And it's like, I just play music because I want to play music. I work a job. I work a few jobs. And so it's, <laughs> like, it's like, I just love it. You know what I mean? And, and I've really, and I've never forgotten playing with IHOW and talking to them. You know, they just, they were, they're so good. Yeah. And same with Wild back in the day, just bands that were awesome. And they just like, no, we, we just, we want to wait for the time is right. And I think that's a big thing nowadays is timing and, you know, money. Yeah. It's, you know, hard. It's so, so it's kind of fascinating, right? Cause I, when it comes to like the, the concept of a, of a record label, um, in theory, it should be a supplement to an already talented band, right? It should be, Hey, you are super talented. You know how to write great music. You know how to perform well on stage, but you guys may not have the know-how for distribution and you may not have the connections to get your, your stuff distributed everywhere, but yeah, things are different now. Like, cause you've got, distribution through like distro kid or whatever service you use for, for digital distribution. And then there's, there's a lot of, um, I'd imagine like the, the biggest thing that a record label could do would be physical, you know, whether that's, uh, records or album like, uh, CDs or, you know, cassettes, if you're doing cassettes, I would imagine they, they have connections with, with, production companies that that will actually print and and ship and label and everything um but yeah it, it used to be a lot different right because yeah. labels labels had a different role back in the day but nowadays it's so personal in terms of social media and yeah. like there's there's even like hey we want to go on tour we can set up a gofundme and our fans can fund it you know what i mean like stuff yeah. like that like yeah. or kickstart a new album like there's kickstarter who was it uh Oh man. Um, dang it. They, I can't think of the name of the band. It's going to kill me. It's going to annoy me so bad if I don't think of it. <laughs> well, um, I know what you're saying though. Cause there's so many that, that happens all the time. Like I, yeah. I've, and I've seen it and, and I'm sure you have too, where it's like, you know, and, 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 it, and it's hard cause I'm friends with these people people. So it's like, I, and, and, and I don't have personal experience signing a contract, but that is a lot of, I mean, that is years of your life that you are signing away to a group of people that is that literally they're going to take the music that you make Mm -hmm. and they're going to market it in a way that again, that you think is your best product. Well, you think, well, they think is this, you think is dishonest, but they're trying to make money. So then you're kind of stuck. I mean, like the whole a data remember situation with victory. With victory like yeah. is, I mean, that doesn't get talked about enough in terms of like, that was a rare situation. And the fact that they came out on the other side and won that, I mean, that's incredible. Like that, again, they're nowhere. They're on a completely different stratosphere of bands, but like, just, it just opens your eyes of like, man, if you, you can really make the wrong decision. And, um, you know, for me, like the way I've always done it is I've always just wanted to play music that I feel is honest. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, that I feel like is my best product. And if it fails because of me, I'm okay with that. Yeah. But if it fails because there's too many cooks in the kitchen and there's not enough money here or money there. And you know, then it's just, it's people can see right through that. Like you and I are fans of music as well. And it's like, you can tell when a band just puts out an album and it's like, all right. Yeah. When it's inauthentic. Yeah. When they're phoning it in and it's Uh like, us like we've never wanted to do that any band i've ever played in like it's never been that way i mean there's definitely records that i've been on that i don't listen to anymore um but there's records that i love to listen to like i would listen to a blink 182 album because yeah. i'm proud of that you know i'm proud of the work and um and people can tell like people can tell if it's i don't know i guess to circle it all back like you know trying to make it as honest as possible because at yeah. the end of the day What's the point? Because people are going to think it's all bullshit. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. And it's it it is a very interesting concept to me because, um, you know, I one of my favorite movies growing up for a long time was uh, that thing you do. The Tom Hanks movie. Um, Yeah. And, uh, you know, I used to think Jimmy was a total douchebag. I was like, man, this guy's the worst, bro. Like this guy sucks. Um, And he kind of does like he still is kind of obnoxious, arrogant, like, but like ultimately like the dude got screwed, right? His his girlfriend gets taken by another dude, like by the drummer, the drummer comes in, changes the whole style of music, changes everything, gets the band, all this crazy publicity, steals his girl. And then he's like, dude, I'm miserable. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but it it is like, ultimately there are some really good record labels out there and there's a lot, like a lot that really care about their bands and that are really going to support them and stuff. But, but you're right. And I, I think, I think the biggest thing is, is just bands need to stay true to who they are. They need to be authentic. They need to be honest because for, for real fans, you can, people can see through like the, the bull crap. They can just see through it. They, they don't, there's no, there's no like way of hiding it. You know what I mean? It's just like, Oh man, that was, that was lackluster. (laughs) Right. And that's the thing is like, you know, that's why you listen to bands, you know, like, I don't, I don't know if like rise against you brought that up. That's a good one. Anne Berlin, uh, taking back Sunday under oath. I mean, they're, they're successful and they've done well because they write real shit. Like not, they're not like, they've probably made some mistakes down the road and you know, we've, we we're not on that level. I've never been in that on that level of like, okay, I'm going to work with this producer and this big time co-writer and okay, we're going to record at this big time studio. Like we've been really, really fortunate, at least in saving Sydney, you know, we've been able to work with some great people and yeah, we've just always tried to be honest. Like we, we just do it for fun. And I think that that's the biggest thing. And, and you can tell when you go to a show and you can just tell when the band is trying to get girls or they're <laughs> trying to like, they're doing it. Cause like you can just tell when it's not genuine. And yeah. I think that, um, you know, for us, like, you know, we've always tried to figure out like who is the best person for the job. Yeah. Who's, who's the person that we can go to that we can record with. Um, that's going to do it. Um, because it, it can, it just makes a difference. It, it matters to us, you know? And, but that, that just, brings up, sorry, just yeah. real quick. That brings up like a follow up though. Like what about the, the person who, who does want to, to take it to the next level? Right. Because 
there's there's like there's different tiers, right? There's like a a garage band, just guys who are dinking around, playing around. A local band, people who play shows, don't really have any motivation to to get beyond their local scene. Um, regional bands, bands who who are never signed to a label but are able to tour a bit, who are able to to record with with a little bit better producer, someone who's a little bit more well known, and then like a signed band, and the, and within the signed bands, there's like a whole plethora of of an array there too. Yeah, arena. Yeah, because right. because yeah, you've got people who are signed who are still barely able to to tour the East Coast or the West Coast or whatever you know, like because the labels, it's a very different situations based on who it is. But like, what about the person who? who wants, obviously I think fun should be a big part of it, but who wants to make it a job? Is that, is that then like them? Cause, cause to me, I, I feel like there's magic in that. Like there's a guy I follow on Facebook. Um, what's his band name? His name is Danny Freeman. He's from the UK. Um, and, familiar. uh, I think it's a few too many is the name of the band. Um, and, uh, and he talks about like, how serious he takes his music. Um, and I, every time I see his posts and stuff, I'm like, you know what? Like props to you, man. Like, um, it's yeah. A few too many. Um, music is fantastic. They're, they're doing great things and creating awesome stuff. But to him, it's, it's, you know, he wants to have fun, but he's more than fun. He wants to make it real, you know? So like, where's the balance there? Yeah. I think that's a good question. Cause I think for a creative, I think that for me, I can only speak for myself, but in my, the way I see it is like, you know, I, I've been very blessed for a lot, a lot. I've worked for the same company organization for almost 10 years. And that's always been really helpful is having that consistency. And um, I think that, I think it just really depends on the band. I think it depends on the people because I do, I do agree. There is that magic of like, you know, we want to take this seriously and, we're trying to make it and, you know, all these things that are important. Um, but I, I think I've always tried to play with people that have that same drive, but not necessarily that like we're, you know, have realistic expectations, but at least at face value, just want to play music because they love music. Not yeah. so much like, Oh, we need to, you know, we need to make a bunch of money and big signing bonuses and, 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 and big cars and fancy this and all that for the way I see it is like, you know, I, I personally, it's, it's a tough question because it really is like, you know, how far do you take it? And I think it really just depends on the situation. I think obviously real life happens and kids and families and jobs and stuff like that. It's not all about the numbers, you know? And I think like, especially for a local band, we always get caught up on, you know, how many plays our song has on Spotify, how many streams, right? That's everything now. And I think that the numbers are going to come one way or the other. And if you have a product that you're working really hard at that you think is your best product, um, that's going to make a bunch that that you think is just going to, that is your best work. I think that's the most important because, um, at the end of the day, if it's not, real if it's not authentic if it's not genuine if you don't like doing it what's the point you know yeah and I, I see it yeah and kind of uh referencing back to the interview i had with steven christian 
Um, he mentioned that too, cause I was, you know, asking about his writing process and, and kind of his, yeah. his mentality or his, his methodology. And, uh, he always said, you know, I write for one person. That's myself. Cause if I don't write something that's authentic to me, no, it can't relate to anyone else. Um, and, uh, and I, I do see that as like a, a really, um, prevalent thing, right? If, if someone's just writing fluff pieces, it's just like it, the, this is the the problem in our, our world, right? Like there's so much music out there that has no substance, but those people are making crazy amounts of money off of it. And so a lot of people get kind of sucked in, they get lured in, you know what I mean? Like name drop someone, Chad, who, who are you talking about? Oh no, you can't do that. Um, well, like, like <laughs> I, 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 I guess for me, like, like, Justin Bieber for a while, like I think of him initially because like, so this is funny, right? I'm thinking pop music, right? Like here's, here's how it went, right? Justin Bieber was this little kid writing kid songs and then he, he just starts singing whatever people gave him and then his newest album drops and you're like, oh, this guy actually has, has like a soul, right? Like he hears music and it's like, dude, this guy's actually kind of miserable because of all the crap he's been through. Um, and so like you see the difference between an authentic song, his new music and an inauthentic song, his old music. And then on the flip side, you got someone like Ed Sheeran who releases a new song and it's like, dude, what the heck are you doing? Like there's <laughs> auto tune everywhere. There's no acoustic yeah. guitar. And it's like, dude, this is so far from who you are, but maybe this is what he wants to do. I don't, I can't say for sure, for sure. Oh. But I think the song is not great. Um, even though I think Ed Sheeran is phenomenally talented. Um, and so stuff like that, like I, I use mainstream artists as an example because they're not going to hear this and I don't want to attack anyone. (laughs) Um, I I don't like, I don't want them to feel like, I I don't want people to ever feel attacked, but like to me, it, it really is this, this feeling of when you get pulled into this meat grinder, that is the music industry. Authenticity does sometimes just not, it doesn't remain ever. (laughs) out the window and I could use a different example. So like Green Day was one of my favorite bands growing up. Like them and Blink-182 was one of, they were the bands that were yeah. like, pick a guitar, Mark. Like you're there sitting on your couch, like pick one up. Yeah. You know, it was a very like religious experience for me. Right? Yeah. 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 So I love Green Day and, and Blink and all those, but I just, I mean the last probably four, I'd say Green Day albums have just, since American Idiot, or I think since I think I think since Twenty First Century Breakdown, because I really actually like that album a lot. Um, I didn't at the time. I loved obviously Dookie, American Idiot, Nimrod. Like I love all the old stuff. I love all yeah. the newer stuff. I loved American Idiot. I was in fifth grade when that came out. I yeah, I was saying since then. So the ones after that, yeah. that was kind of the point where I was like, okay, they kind of yeah lost and, and the I gusto. Yeah, and I can understand a lot of people, they got tired of hearing it, and it was obviously a very controversial album, but, you know, at the end of the day, Billy, like, those those bands, you know, Billy Joe Armstrong or, you know, Tom DeLonge and all these artists that I love so much, they're not the shreddy guitar player types, they're the, <laughs> they're, they, they just write great songs, and uh-huh. I think that I think that it's hard, too, because you, you want to still be a fan, but then you, but then you listen, and I just like the last four Green Day albums, I just won't even listen to them. Cause I just, it doesn't, to me, it's not the same band and same with Blink. You know, I just, since Tom left, man, it's just not the same. So <laughs> it's hard. It's definitely an interesting point you make. Like it's, 
and it sucks when it's your favorite bands. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I there's, there's kind of like a, a balance. Cause I saw, I I've mentioned this a few times. I, I saw on social media forever ago, kind of this, this flight path of a band, right? There's like, once once a band actually takes off from the runway because a lot of bands never get past the runway um meaning they aren't they aren't ever really to a point where they have a mass audience um so you know they aren't amassing millions of listens uh on spotify or whatever but ultimately it's like once you get off the runway because i and i don't think anything's wrong with not getting off the runway i'm not saying that at all and there's still some bands who who do some really cool stuff. I, I, there's a lot of amazing bands who, who aren't amassing millions of listens. Um, but they get off, you know, you get off the runway and you have kind of a few choices. That first album is what gets you up into the air and you're and you're you know, that's where you get all this momentum and, and takes all the energy out of you. And so a lot of like this analogy basically said, you have a choice to either let off that energy and just coast off of what you just barely did, which is uh, repeat the same thing. Then you don't feel as artistically uh, oriented, right? Like you're kind of just repeating what was rinsing and repeating what was already done. Yeah. And that takes less energy, but you know that it'll at least do well for this next album because it's, it's building off of what just barely propelled you into the, into the stratosphere. Right. Um, or you could, you could evolve that sound and make it more mainstream, which takes you even higher. Right. But that's kind of selling your soul because it's not necessarily what you had written the first time. And it's not something you're proud of, or you completely change and you, you tempt something that's so novel and so different and it feels so authentic to you. And ultimately that leads to a landing again. You're not going to be able to, to stay up high because you know, there's, there's kind of like adapt or die is kind of the world of music. Um, and it's for better or worse, I guess, you know, <laughs> Yeah, and that's literally, and to circle it back to like the, the record label thing, I think that, you know, we don't know how, like what's behind the scenes there. You know, we don't know what the label is saying. You need to write this big radio song, mm-hmm. this big thing. And I mean, as nice it would, as it would be to like, be in that financial situation of like, man, I'm literally making a living playing music and that's all I'm doing there. There's got it. And I'm sure that every, I mean, look at the Beatles, look at like some of these pops, look at freaking Weezer, Weezer. freaking fallout yeah. boy. Like yeah. I think of bands that are in our scene, even like, right. it is yeah, crazy yeah. to see like, even like even John Mayer, you know what I'm saying? Oh, dude, I mean, John, Mayer. John Mayer. I love his new music, his new album. He, he ripped. <laughs> He, he honestly, I know he gets a lot of hate and, and I, and I get it. He, he says uh, interesting things and a lot of people really, they care too much about what he says on Saturday night live, but you listen to his music and especially sob rock. And that, that's a guy who is like, you know what? I'm taking this chance. I'm taking a little risk. I'm going to make music that I want to make that I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it this way. Like, like I'm sure yeah. he sat down people at Columbia and said, I'm going to make this music and you're going to be okay with that. Well, I, and I, I think that's, I think that speaks volumes. I know? think, I think it's, it's, this is so, this is so like subjective from me, but I feel like when it comes to, to freaking John Mayer, 
he is a prodigy. So whatever he says goes. Because yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. he, he's genuinely that talented. He just says, all right, this is how it's going to go. And everyone says, that sounds crazy to me, but I mean, you're John Mayer. You know what's up. You know what I mean? Like for him, it's, it's a little different with him. I feel like he's, he's an anomaly. <laughs> on, yeah, he's on a whole nother level. And I think there's some bands that are like that too. Like I'm sure, um, I'm sure, you know, ACDC's label isn't telling them how to write songs and what they should do. And I, I mean, there's just certain bands that are just on a different level. Yeah. Uh, that, that I, and I think that, and I appreciate that so much. And it's just, it's sad to see the bands that their careers get ruined because they make the wrong album or they put out the wrong single or, cause you know, it is music, you know, it, mm-hmm. we live in a, we live in an era where, you know, one song is hot that minute. The next one isn't the next, you know what I mean? So it's, it's very, it's sucky. That's what it is, dude. Yeah. Like I, the, the attention span and the, and the, insatiable need to just like always have the newest everything it's it's actually funny because in i actually have been um actively avoiding chasing new music for the last just few weeks like there have been any any new albums that i was anticipating i listened to like holy crap the new capstan album the new chunk no captain chunk that stuff i've been like playing to death Um, but to, to get myself like out of this, like, Oh, what else is new? Constantly looking for something. I, I was, I went on a three day binge of, um, of saves the day, their original records, right? Like, um, can't slow down. Um, uh, dang it. I just spaced the name through being cool. Um, you know, uh, those, those albums of saves the day. And then I, this morning was listening to something corporate. I was like, I'm throwing way back, man. I'm going way back. Cause I just, I needed the refreshing, like reminder of, of just like how you got into music. Yeah. How I got here. You know what I mean? Like yeah. going back to MXPX before everything and after and, and, you yeah. know, Poconacci even all the way back, you know what I mean? Uh, so slowly going the way of the Buffalo stuff like that. I've been listening to so yeah. much old stuff. I did the same thing. I literally, I went to, um, I was watching a live stream of a band and I was like, you know what? It was, it was the Silverstein live stream. Oh dude. I wish I could watch that. They were playing some deep cuts and I was like, all right, I got to listen to the first like six albums. Right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like Silverstein. I mean, they're, they're huge. I mean, I love Shane and I love, I just love that band. And same thing with like, you brought up something corporate. That's a big one. Jack's mannequin. Mm-hmm. Andrew McMahon, Andrew McMahon is crazy talented, dude. Such a did cool you watch dude. Jack's mannequin, everything in transit, the live stream that they did last year. Oh no, dude, that'd have been sick. I, uh, I saw him in concert. He's one of the most phenomenal. Yeah. He stands musicians. On the, he stands on the piano. Uh huh. And like, and it's just like this old beat up piano, stand up piano. Yeah. Yeah. And it's literally like, He'll stand on the keys and he's just an incredible a performer. Incredible. Yeah. He's not just a musician. He's a performer. Right. Cause yeah. I saw, I saw something corporate or not something corporate, sorry, Jack's mannequin and the format. This is oh, before, yeah. this is before the format disbanded and fun became yep. a thing. Right. And yeah. it was, I got grounded for two weeks for that show because I was, <laughs> cause like 
I, uh, I just left cause it was like, you know, I was living, I lived in Mapleton and drove to Salt Lake as a 16 year old. And so my parents had no clue where I was. It was up at the U of U and, and, uh, oh man, totally worth it. Catch 22 is the other band there, but I didn't really care too much for them. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so the starting line, that's another one. Oh dude. Huge. He's like, Kenny Vasoli is so he is underrated. I don't care what anyone says. The starting line is a band that has influenced. Like they, they never got the like stardom, like credit that they, I don't know they wanted it. I don't know if they did. I agree with that. I think Kenny Vasoli is like, like again, going back to the original talk is like, he just wants to make music, man. And if he doesn't feel it anymore, he's just going to do something else. And like, his side project personnel, like that side project was so sick. Did you yeah. listen to it? Uh-uh, I didn't know you had one. Okay, I'll send it to you. It's Dude, there's a song I'd called Canyonlands, and it's so dreamy. Like you're just sick. Yeah. But like we were talking about going back and listening to I've been trying to do that with other genres. Like I was listening to some uh I love the 1975. Mm-hmm. I love um I was listening to like 1920s jazz swing. Oh nice. <laughs> nice so showing me like you know music from the 50s you know yeah bro and so i've just been really trying to branch out and you know create as a creative it's awesome oh yeah I can, I can literally draw inspiration from anything and obviously it, it kind of sometimes it shows sometimes it doesn't well it's so <laughs> yeah. healthy it's so healthy to do that like because i don't know i i feel like Cause music is cyclical too. Right. So like punk pop punk coming back right now in the form that it is not the exact form I'd like it to come back in, but the form that it, it is, is coming back in, um, yeah. is cool to me still. Like it's not the exact right. pop punk that I would be down like that, that would have gotten me into it, but it is getting a whole new generation of kids into pop punk. And I'm like, dude, if that can introduce them to the new, to newfound glory, to, you know, to like the OGs, like get back yeah. to MXPX yellow and yellow card. Yeah. If they, if it can get them into those bands, I'm all for it. Right. Like, thank goodness for Travis Barker. Who's just changing <laughs> the freaking world. He's just uh, drumming on every track ever to make pop I, punk a thing again. <laughs> I wasn't going to say, I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah, I mean, we can, what you're saying is uh, when, you know, in terms of, you know, you know, having kids uh, get into pop, like the new generation of pop punk. Well, we can thank our MGK man for that. So. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And, and, and even him, it was, it was him and Travis Barker who made that right. tickets to my downfall. That was just oh, yeah. like a breakthrough album. Yeah. I, I know. I, I kind of want to, I, I kind of want to get your opinion on that. It's got what bops. Your- it's got bops, but it has no. So here's, here's the, here's the thing for me. It's, it's very what's shallow. Is that the right word? It, it's got a lot of bops. It's got a lot of fun to it, but it has no depth to it. it. Has no real like. I could listen to this in ten years type vibes for me, right? Like Ocean Avenue. <laughs> I could you know lift a sail yellow card like lift a sail is my favorite yellow card album. I could go back to that album at any time and feel like it's timeless. Tickets to my downfall is not that album. Yeah. It's interesting because I, when it came out, I really was so bitter. I was so bitter. I was bitter that 
Travis Barker. I mean, like I've always really respected that he loves, you know, he loves hip-hop. working with rappers. He loves hip hop. He loves styles of music. I mean, he is one of the greatest drummers. He's got such lived. a fun style of drumming, yeah. dude. Quite, quite frankly, he's one of the best drummers. He's working his way to be a, at a phenomenal producer. And I mean, he's a legend to me. Like yeah. I would, I, I would pay to like record with him. And, um, from, so I, I guess like my mind has changed a little bit on that album. I, I really, I didn't like the, the marketing of it. I thought it was very like phoned in, in terms of like the music videos and the, but, but then I started listening to music and I was like, okay, like there's something here. Like there's yeah. it's a cat, very catchy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Extremely catchy. And, and it took me a while to get over that of like, Oh, so now, now pop punk certainly relevant. Cause like as a kid, I used to get made fun of, not made fun of. I shouldn't say that. I used to get, what's the word I used to get like, like you're listening to simple plan and good Charlotte. Like that's not, that's not cool. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, I mean, we live in an era where like, you know, everything's nostalgic, right? Vinyls and and nineties clothes and all those. I like, I just don't get it. it dude. I don't get the fricking pants. Don't get it. I just don't get it. How old are you, Chad? Oh, I'm 30. I'm an old. I'm 31, okay, actually. Right. Yeah. I'm freaking old, dude. I'm a freaking I'm an old fogey. I get right. it. But dude, like right. I don't understand why the 90s are like Geneco is a company again. What? <laughs> yeah. What? Well, here's here's the uh here's the uh it's interesting you say that and, and here's why. Is because uh the reason you hate it is the same reason I hate it, is when we look at pictures of us as babies our moms and dads are wearing those same clothes yeah (laughs) yeah dude it's and and the thing too is it's like the bowl cut man it it didn't need to come back you know (laughs) like like freaking do you remember uh home improvement the the son and home improvement with his like every guy wanted that hair dude they wanted that blonde bowl cut man i wanted that so bad as a kid and my mom would never let me have it it's just, yeah. but dude, okay. like it's, it's bizarre. And, and it is kind of like a lot of them are doing that. Cause it is so contra it's contrarian to what the people just older than them. Right. It's like, Oh, you yeah. millennials, you guys are just losers with your skinny jeans and, and right. your fitted shirts and, you know, stuff that actually looks good. Um, <laughs> but at least they've got one thing. They've got their vans, you know, they're wearing yeah. vans, which that they've yeah. got that right. You know, <laughs> Yeah, we're just we're just we're both waiting for in ten to fifteen years for the emo uh, scene revival to come back. So, dude, it's it's happening on TikTok, bro. The emo, Is like, it? oh man. So, have, have you ever, dude? What's that guy's YouTube channel? Have you seen that guy who does emos not dead? Uh, no, I don't think I have. So, when you said that that you started listening to Silverstein again, I actually went back and listened to uh, the uh, um, the Waterfront one. Which one's that album? Um, discovering the waterfront yeah so i went back to that album because of this guy he uh um freaking one of the funniest dudes on youtube um it's matt cutshall c-u-t-s-h-a-l-l i'll share it with you um but he he's phenomenal (laughs) he does he does videos where he's just like he's 
I don't, it's hard to even explain it. You, you've, you'll have to watch them and tell me what you think, but he did one uh, recently of, uh, with Silverstein. Um, but he's done what he's done them with like uh, Pierre Bouvier. I think that's how you say his last name from simple plan. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and he also did one with uh, William Ryan key. And he did one okay. with, uh, um, with Chris, Chris Caraba. That was the first one I saw was when he did one with Chris Caraba. Uh, the King of Emo. Yeah, oh, dude. Yeah. And he, he literally, uh, so, so basically what happens is something ha- like something is said and it triggers an old emo pop or emo or pop punk song. And he, and he <laughs> transitions or turn like transforms into this emo kid. And, uh, he's singing the lyrics as if it like was the end of the world, you know? And, uh, uh it's it's amazing. You've got to watch it. I, I yeah, I, I'm sure it is coming back. I I'll be honest, man. I I have not done the TikTok thing. I've never, I've just never. It's it it just wasn't a thing for me. I guess I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm getting old. Too. I don't I, get I don't, TikTok still. I so this is this is how old I am, right? Like I watch TikToks on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> that's how old I am. Yeah, you're, you're like, you're like some of my friends who they don't use Spotify or anything. They just listen to songs on YouTube. They oh. stream songs on YouTube and it's like just the most ridiculous thing. I'm, I actually Spotify. think, I think musicians would make more money from YouTube streams than they would from Spotify streams. Oh yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Even though I, I've noticed like, I know YouTube. Well, let me, let me say this. I know YouTube. I know there's some like, you know, guitar, I'm just, you know, can only speak for like from a guitar standpoint, but the, a lot of the channels that I really like are cutting back on their content because of the YouTube royalty uh-huh. paying system. But like nothing is going to get worse than like a spot, like the way Spotify pays. Like, it's just, it's almost <laughs> criminal. You know oh, what I'm saying? Oh, it's bad, like, dude. It's so bad. The fact, the fact that like in, in our experience, like we pay, I mean, we're not on a label, so we pay you know, 40 for distribution for distribution. Yeah. So we pay for that. So, um, and it's, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, again, we're not doing it for the money, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, I don't know. It's interesting. I, but like, no, like the TikTok thing, like I deleted Instagram for a while. I deleted props to you, man. It's healthy. Well, because all of last year, I mean, I, I, it, I was starting to do that self comparison thing where I, you know, I started to compare, you know, during the quarantine. Yeah. You know, like, why isn't my band doing this live stream? I mean, we, we put out an EP, Bring Yourself Back, during uh, the quarantine back in April, and we couldn't play any shows. Yeah. But then Tough, I would dude. see bands playing shows, and it was just, it was hard. Like, yeah. it was hard of, you know, I'd go on Instagram and it would just really bum me out. I'd see, you know, why am I not playing that show? Or, you know, why aren't we doing this? Or why mm-hmm. aren't we doing that? Or, and it really got to me. Like it affected me and it, it was bad for my mental health. And, you know, how can we don't, like we put out this EP that we spent almost two years working on that we're like, why, why didn't this do better? Or why mm-hmm. didn't, there was just a lot of things and, you know, it just, it made it hard to like, you know, do the whole social media thing. So, and it was really good to like take a break, um, you know, and it, it, was, it really helped, you know, kind of work through those things for me. Yeah, dude. I, I think that's healthy. I, 
I uh, have actually gotten really close to pulling that same trigger because I'm just like, I waste so much time and so much emotion on crap that doesn't matter. But, you know, then I'll compare myself to other people. I say, yeah, they suck. I rock. You know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. But no, I, I yeah. do feel that, though. Like, I, I'm in the same boat, dude. I'm like, man, oh, this band is super sick. And they're going on these other podcasts that are super sick. And they didn't reach out to me. And I'm like, but yeah. I, and then I'm like, dude, like, comparing is so dumb. Because, like, there are, there's so much talent out there. And there's so so much so many awesome people that i'm like dude i just need to be happy for them when they're successful because the fact is like their success doesn't take away from me at all in any way you know and at the end of the day like it doesn't matter like because that podcast they're going on where it could be really popping and popular for popping i just used a weird term yeah dude you're Um, old bro that's (laughs) popping uh uh, that's embarrassing. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, but that's, that's the truth though, is that, you know, for me, it was even more personal aside from music. Like my brother got married. One of my best friends got married. You know, I was going through a really rough breakup. The world was shut down. Like there was a lot of, like, yeah, there's a lot of crap. Going there was on. a lot of things that were happening. And I, I just felt like, you know, people were buying houses and new cars and, you know, I just, I would sit there and I'd be like, why is that not me? And as much as you want to be happy for them, because they're your friends, they're your family, they didn't do anything wrong to you. Um, there's so many more, uh, there's other factors to that. Oh and yeah. It's just, it is what it is. And I, I, it took me a while to get over that for sure. But do you, maybe, maybe I'm different. Maybe, maybe this is just an anomaly case, but like, do you find that it's easier to be happy for them? when you see it in person or when you experience it with them in person rather than on social media. Cause mm. I feel like, I feel like on social media, it is harder to be happy for someone. It's easier to be jealous of uh, someone, but like in person, I always felt like, I always feel like, man, this is a lot more exciting. Cause I'm able to kind of ex- be excited with you. You know what I mean? Type thing. I don't know. Right. right. No, I actually do. I, I get what you're saying. I think that yes and no, like it is, it, it, it is really, how do I say this? Yes, because I, I can actually see that it puts it in perspective, like how much hard work it took for them to mm-hmm. get that thing or did that thing. And um, rather than, cause I think a lot of times social media is obviously very contrived and that, you know, you, you know, you see someone posting about what, what vacation they're on, but mm-hmm. then you, and you, find out later that they actually weren't on vacation and they took that picture. On I, I don't know yes. that I've ever, I've never seen that oh, with like my I've friends had, with like people I've in my friend, friend group. Yeah. I've had friends that have said that they've purchased new cars and posted about it on social media. And then oh. like two weeks later, I'm like, Oh, that's like, let's see your car, man. Like, no. Oh. Why? That has happened. Why? Um, for, I, I think it's for validation. I, I think just, that's really, and I think it's so sad a, to me. Yeah. And then you can relate that to, from a musician, like, you know, Oh, we're not getting enough streams. We're not, we're not being validated enough. And, you know, we're not playing shows. So, you know, we're not, we're just sitting at home and, you know, there was just a lot of, I just, I let that 
really affect me. Like mm-hmm. it, re- I re- it really did. It really. Um, and then I, and then I think about it and I'm like, that doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter what they're doing. And all I can focus on is being the best person I can be and being the best family member and um, better musician and, and all these things that I, it was, it was a really like good time for me to, cause I never have, I'd never, I've always used music and working and school and all that stuff as a way to distract myself in yeah. terms of like, not. And then I finally, all I was able to do was sit at home and think about all the things that I needed to work on because <laughs> yeah. all I have is time, you know? Dude. Yeah. So it was actually, I tried to make it a positive thing, you know? Absolutely. So you, so you deleted Facebook, deleted Instagram how long was it before you kind of like leveled out again? I deleted the apps off my phone. I didn't actually delete the accounts, but I, I would, it was probably, it, it, it kind of, it kind of came in waves. Like I would delete the apps and then I would log back. I would re-download it to like post something on Instagram, like a yeah. cool photo mm-hmm. or something that I wanted to share. Um, but really for me, I wanted to wait until I got over that self-comparison thing, which took a while. And I realized, like I was saying, that that's something that I've always in some way struggled with because I never realized, well, I've always struggled with it for a long time, but it, I wanted to make sure I could work through it before mm-hmm. I could. Cause literally I would see like my friend, like my friends would post something about buying a house and it would just bum me out. I was like, why am I not doing that? You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm just sitting here. Because like, it's wrong? because you're in Utah and it's unrealistic <laughs> to be able to freaking buy a house right now in Utah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you buy. Right. Exactly. It's yeah. You're in Mapleton. You said oh, that's where so, my parents, that's where my, that's where I grew up. Yeah. Okay. But I'm in Payson now. So yeah. Yeah. So like in Salt Lake County, they say that the average, like the average, I think median like household income, it's like 340,000 or something like that. Like that's the average. Oh, for the home so, price. Yeah. yeah. Like a home. And then it, and it's crazy. Like yeah. it's absolutely crazy. Like, and obviously inflation, we all expected that, but like a condo, a condominium is selling for 300,000 up here. Yeah. It's nuts, dude. It's insane. It yeah. Insane. And then you look at like what people are making and it's just like, it's not sustainable. It terrifies me. Right. right. And yeah. you, you think about it and you're like, okay, like, you know, but even people that have like, they're like, okay, well, that's why you, that's why you go to college. Well, a college degree is not enough these days. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Dude. A lot of it. Ugh. And that's why, you know, and that's why I just try to focus on me and just work as hard as I can. And like I said, it's, it's honestly been very, 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 it was really nice deleting that for a while I'll because bet. I needed to work. And, you know, I've never, I, it was just something that I discovered about myself that I really just needed to like take a break mm-hmm. from it. And, and and actually actually take a break and just work on my own stuff because yeah. it again I just I've used I used everything to avoid it you know until I you know until it was just me and I had no choice so dude that's it it's it I uh, I haven't finished it I started watching the social dilemma for the same reason because like I've got two sons i've got a a six-year-old and a three-year-old and so as they get older i'm gonna have to think about this kind of crap right like um because you and i we didn't grow up on social media right like 
Nope. I, nope. you were what? You were probably like 14 by the time Facebook was like fully, full fledged, ready to go everywhere, right? When did it come out again? I think it came out. Year? It started in 2006, I think, maybe 2005. I, I was 12. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, but yeah. then, but then I think it became like a mainstream thing by like 2008 ish. Right. Yeah. So I, I did not grow up on that. No, my parents were very strict on that. I, I remember when, I remember with YouTube, I, I could, I wasn't allowed to get on YouTube all that much because there was weird things on there at the time. Oh, now they're like, oh yeah, go for it. Watch, watch kids YouTube. And now it's like, yeah. whoa, whoa, now what? <laughs> I'm in public. I'm in public and the, and the, and the YouTube is the way to like reward bad behavior. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, and so like when I was watching the social dilemma, like this is the, you know, kids born after what? 2000 something. Um, are the the first kids to really grow up on social media and uh it's terrifying to see the statistics of like depression anxiety suicide and it all spikes right around 2010 2011 when social media started really taking off with like instagram started getting big twitter snapchat starts up all of these things are all are all just exploding and i remember being in high school when snapchat came and uh i remember um, I just remember it, it was so, it, it just, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just remember, I remember all of it and I, mm-hmm. I know we sound like we're 60 year old. We're like <laughs> we're telling kids, like, we're going to sound like these old men telling like, you know, they're back in my day. I was yeah. just a little right. boy. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be, we're going to be telling stories like they told us the, from when they were non and stuff, but like literally though, <laughs> It's so true though. Like I, I mean, I wasn't the best kid growing up. Like I, I made, I made, I was not a behaved kid by any means, but I mean, I was never rewarded with technology. Like technology yeah. was the first thing to go. Yeah. I mean? yep. A PlayStation and, you know, I never had a smartphone. Like I, I didn't get a smartphone until I was out of high school. Yep. I think I was like just ready to graduate. And so and I had to pay for it. And yep, me too. It's very self gratifying, and I, it sounds—it just sounds crazy. But like, my friends have kids that have smartphones, and I'm sure you do too. Your friends have kids that have phones that are six years old, and you're like, "Man, that's insane." That's yeah, nuts <laughs> to me. Like, I when uh, you know, like, I'll let my kids watch my phone. My wife will let my our kids watch our phones and stuff. But it's it's very different than them than it being their phone. <laughs> It it is yeah exactly it is really weird though like my it, it's really bizarre to like realize that my six year old can navigate a smartphone like a my my iPhone better than my mom and my dad you know like he's he's just he just knows the ins and outs he knows all of the different you know like dude what the frick man like yeah he's six yeah, yeah my niece can literally um connect to the internet faster than my mom can. Yep. Yeah. It's just like, and it, and it is a generational thing, right? Like generations yeah. change and things happen, but, but yeah, yeah, honestly, I, I'm, I've, I, I see a lot of really awesome potential to come from all of this creativity that these kids are going to have because they, there's so much that can be done with the technology now, right? Like 
like I was, I was watching a YouTube video about uh, someone trying to use Photoshop version one uh, of Photoshop. And now like, you know, you compare that to what we have on an iPad, the Photoshop on iPad or, or anything like that. It's like, dude, like these kids have so many tools and like, I yeah. try to use the tools too. It's, it's just so easy to get distracted. And so oh, like, yeah. I'm trying to focus myself. So I'm like, man, you turn, you know, deleting the social media app sounds like a really solid idea. So I could just get a little bit more focus out of myself. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like it was really nice for me to just not think about it as much. Like I absolutely you know, wake up is look at Instagram, look at snap, you know what I mean? And, and for, for a while there, it was nice to just like wake up and focus on myself. You know yeah. what I mean? And I, I was like, just the, it was so great. You know what I mean? And, you know, I'd obviously try to, I'd, I'd have messenger to like, you know, communicate with like band stuff and yeah. all that, but it was hard. And I, so it, it was really awful time for me mentally, but it was like so nice to just try to be creative and try to try to make it a positive thing. Yeah. And, and I agree with you, like the technology, I mean, you think about it from a musical sense, like, you know, guitar centers and sales. And like I have friends that work there. They were telling me that, you know, when they were able to open back up that their sales increased by like 40%. Oh, you know dang. I mean? Just because people were at home, you couldn't, you couldn't go anywhere. You know, you couldn't buy a guitar, you know, you couldn't walk into the store and buy one. Yep. We're buying them online. So I think Dang. there was some good, I think there was some good creative. I think there's people that found a hobby during mm-hmm. that time and, yeah. and still are, you know, cause we're, doesn't look like things are getting better, I guess. I yeah. Mean, there in Salt Lake, I know things are, are back yeah. to masks and stuff here in yeah. Salt Lake or in Utah County things. It's not, it's not terrible down here yet. So I don't know if it will be or not, but yeah, it's, yeah. Well, I just think, I mean, I think we just got to try and do our part, you know, that's all we can do. Yeah, seriously, dude. It's uh, it's crazy, but I, I am curious though. Like obviously, you know, you said that you released uh, an album in April of, of last year and, uh, and COVID hits, which, really inopportune time. Right. Cause like that's literally right. As COVID is rising and going crazy. Um, you, have you guys been able to, to like really support the album? Has it, has it been able to, uh, um, like, I guess have you started playing shows again to kind of start getting some momentum to, to start recording some more stuff. What's going on there? Yeah. So we released it in April of 2020 and we, that was, I mean, the world had already like closed, right? Yeah. It was like, tours were canceling everything you saw on social media. was like canceled, canceled, canceled tours, shows, yep. all yep. that. We had planned to do an EP release show. We never ended up doing that, um, unfortunately. But we, when, you know, when the masking thing started happening and I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but in June of last year, we played one show and it was like during a couple of weeks span where like the cases were so low that like bars were opening again. Okay. So we were, we were able to play a show, play the songs. That was really fun. Um, and then we didn't play at all from, so June of last year. And then we didn't play another show until May of this year. 
So Dang, dude, so brutal. It was brutal. And we, we, but we, we, uh, we used it to record. We used that time to record. Sick. We, we tracked a song called, what are you looking at butthead? And we, <laughs> I uh, listened to that one. I loved it. Yeah. Thanks man. We, uh, you know, we, we used the time to record that. Um, we, you know, so, so may we, you know, we've played a, we've played about four shows since the pandemic or since, since everything kind of opened back up. Yeah. We played the last, we played the first, we played two shows in May. Um, and then we played a show in June, I think. And then we just played one at Kilby court a couple of weeks ago. Nice. And, uh, that Love me some really, Kilby dude. Yeah. It's like the best venue ever. Um, so we have some stuff coming up. We're playing, um, we're playing next month on the 17th at ice host. It's like a bar and grill. Okay. And you've been there. Uh-uh. It's like a really good, awesome food. Awesome place. Um, what's it called? It's called ice host. Yeah. I've so never heard of it. Ice. Yeah. So it's like a bar and grill. Okay. Really, cool. really good. Um, and then we're playing Kilby again with glacier veins. Have you heard of them? Uh huh. Yeah. We're playing with them at Kilby Court. On, Sick. That's actually officially not been announced yet. So I'm sure I'll get an email about like, oh, why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> you can leave it in. That's totally fine. Um, I can, I can just, uh, you know, just duck the audio, make no one, no one will know. <laughs> no, no, you're totally, no, that's fine. You can leave it in. Um, and so, <laughs> I just, I realized I was like, oh, we haven't actually officially announced that. So that might be a Exclusive, no, exclusive, exclusive. Because yeah. I'm sure by the time I'm sure by the time this comes out, it'll be announced. So um we're playing there on the 21st with Glacier Veins and the home team. So, oh, dude, the home team, man. Yeah. They uh their last cool. little stint was gonna be just to Logan. I was like, yeah. Right, is that up in Logan? Is that the one that you're? No. Oh, okay. No, we're playing. We're playing at Kilby. Kilby. Yeah, okay, I, that I, one's Kilby. I, I okay. That. Yeah, yeah, that one's not the ice house. Okay. Um. Yeah, like the the last time they came, it was to, to Logan. I was like, that's such a random place to like, to, to go in Utah. I guess you get kind of the middle ground between Idaho and Utah, but I was really confused. <laughs> yeah. And I think they're from the Northwest area. Yeah. So they're, I think they're Washington. I think they're Seattle. Washington. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a drive for them. And I don't know where, do you know where Glacier Veins is from? I don't. Um, I, uh, yeah, I just know that home team, they just released some new music, which is super good. Yeah, they did that. Uh, I don't know how much of a guitar YouTuber, uh, YouTube channel you watch, but Fluff, I know he's been working with them a lot. Uh, uh, I I watch, oh, what's his name? David something. He's like from like Amsterdam or something. I don't remember where he's from. Amsterdam. But Danish he, Pete? No, he's... Uh, his his name is David. I don't know, dude. Now you're making me pull up my YouTube. Oh gosh, <laughs> let's see. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, come on. Maybe it's not David. What the frick. What's his name then? <laughs> I don't even know his name anymore. I listened to. So it's funny. I actually watched a lot of like drumming ones for whatever reason like nice. i find them a lot of fun i'm not a drummer i just find their videos a lot of fun <laughs> Dude, i don't know like the uh, the drummer for uh um 
What's the is it the name was the band Parallels, I think is the name of the band that he's the drummer for. Um he uh he does a bunch of videos and like breaks stuff down. Um Yeah, I don't even remember the dude's name. Do you do you have you been in bands? Have you have you do you play an instrument? I'm, I'm actually uh, kind of curious a little yep. more about you like do you Yeah, know, so music? so back in high school I played a lot of music. Uh, okay. played a bunch of shows. So I played Kilby with We Shot the Moon, which was fun. Played Valor nice. with uh, Neon Trees, which was a ton of fun. Um, I also actually played Valor with uh, um, it was the Somerset and uh, um, Ann Arbor and oh my god, and what what was the other one? Alaska, I Alaska. Wow. Yeah, that one was a sick show. So um, Ann Arbor, I love Ann Arbor. That was yeah. And uh, then I played, I played another show at one point with uh, um, Larusso, which is was a local band. They they recently, I had them on the podcast uh, quite a while back, but uh, but they, I played a show with them at one point. Um, yeah, I I played a bunch. We. I tried to do a full band thing and it never quite worked out. It was always ended up just being my, but my best friend and I, so he would play piano and violin and I'd play guitar, acoustic guitar. Um, yeah. So it was a bunch of fun, had a, had a lot of fun, wrote a ton of music, but, uh, haven't really performed a whole lot. I I've been tempted to go and record some music with my brother-in-law. He, he does music production and, uh, he's super talented. He, he's in a band. he, I don't know if they're still together actually, but saves is what they were called. S A I V E S A I V S. Yeah. Saves S A I V S. It was kind of like an anagram um, where like the V and the A are kind of flipped, whatever. Um, But uh, he's super talented, does some really, really cool stuff. And I was like, man, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll make some music. Maybe I'll write my own intro for my podcast, you know, instead of just listening, just having like the, the band that I'm featuring. I was like, but, it's kind of fun to have the band I'm featuring. So <laughs> have you already, yeah. Have you already picked uh, what song you would do for this one? I have not. No, I, I typically choose the one that, that is the one that are, they're promoting. Um, okay. And then if it's, if they've like, Oh, we got a whole album. I just find my favorite song off the album. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. So it's, it's probably going to be uh, uh, the butthead one. So yeah, no, that's awesome. No, that'd be great. <laughs> I, I was just curious. Cause like, I mean, there's definitely some songs that I'm like, well, if you, I mean, if you want to do it, that's, this is your podcast. So <laughs> uh, Dude, it's- that, that's our, that's our tune. And, you know, we're really proud of it and love playing it. It's fun. It's a lot of energy and um, it's great. <laughs> yeah. I, I typically like, it's one of those things where there've been times where it's like, said hey this is the song that we that we're promoting and i'm like cool i'll put that one in and but then there's times where they're like I, they're not promoting anything and i'm just talking to an awesome band and i'm like i'll just find my favorite song from that band and sometimes it's not even like a brand new song and they're like okay <laughs> and this is the so same thing with like pictures old. too <laughs> yeah yeah they're like uh they're like yeah this song's 10 years old but uh here you go but it's a banger <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in 2012, like I imagine like, dude, there's there's a few people who are like I've I've like really dreamed of having like talking to on the podcast. Right. It's like Stephen Christian was obviously the number one. 
Yeah, he yeah. was he was the number one on the bucket list. Dave Elkins was another one on the bucket list. So right. both of those were fulfilled, which was amazing. Um, because May actually was like one of the foundational bands for the way I listen to music and like the appreciation I have for music. Um, but, uh, but then like William Ryan key, Mike Herrera, um, you know, MXPX, obviously, uh, like those, those two are two huge ones for me. Um, and, uh, like there are a few others who I've kind of like, Oh, that'd be kind of fun. But those two right there, would be freaking amazing to have on the podcast. And I was like, man, if I, if I were to you like do any of their stuff, it would be a super old song. That was just like, yeah. someone would be like, like is this even yellow card? I don't even know this song. It's like, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. It's the best yellow card song there is. <laughs> yeah. It would be a deep cut. Yeah. It wouldn't be ocean Avenue. It would be like, you know, just a, a deep cut from their old stuff. Yeah. It would awesome. probably, it would probably be uh, what's that song? Uh, congregation i think is what it's called from oh, lift yeah. to sail that's probably oh, the yeah. song that i'd choose even though it's like or transmission home like yeah something like that is what i would do because it's just like something that a lot of only true fans would really get you know and i'm like that's okay yeah. that's okay with me if yeah, only true fans other, get <laughs> the other guitar player in my in saving sydney um nick he has a he's like yellow cards his favorite band so he um he has a yellow card tattoo and uh yeah it's uh we we've we've talked about playing ocean avenue i think that's like a cover that we want to do we've been playing sugar mm-hmm. we're going down at the last couple of shows nice so, yeah it's been super cool and uh um yeah it's it's just fun i love yellow card i it was a band again like lights and sounds like that album is just so good mm-hmm. from front to back yeah you know i mean it's yeah dude so- they they were a band that got lambasted a bit by by a lot of the quote unquote true fans for like right. selling out. But I was like, dude, they never sold out. As I listened through their 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 catalog of music, I'm like, nowhere in their music did they ever sell out. They always right. stayed true to Yellow Card. Unless you're right. saying when William Ryan Key joined the band, then you could technically say they sold out. Because well, like- <laughs> their old vocals and stuff, it used to be like screamo. <laughs> Right. And Fall Out Boy, I mean, Fall Out Boy got the same crap when they, you know, took a hiatus, came back and released their like Saves Rock and Roll. It's like these bands can't just keep writing Ocean Avenues and yeah, like, uh, you know, thanks for the memories. You know what I yep, mean? Like, they, exactly. Just, those were a place in time. It's like Blink-182. They can't keep writing all the small things. And, you know, I miss you. It's yeah. just, just it, it's like there's just certain not to say they can't make great music, but there's just like, those were a place in time. Yeah. I mean, I I may, I may slightly disagree with you on the self-titled because I think Blink-182 could get away with making a whole, like another album, just like their self-titled album right now. Oh, Oh, I agree. No, I agree a hundred. So when you say I I miss you, I'm like, yeah, I think they could get away with another one like that right now. Well, so no, and I agree with you because I love self-titled. That's like my second favorite Blink album, but, and I love that album for so many reasons, but I'm saying like when that album came out, it got so much. I mean, it's like now they're going depressed. And oh going, yeah. Yeah. They did. Did they get flack for that album? I didn't know that. Mark's Mark and Tom, they did an interview together on, I think Mark's podcast or something. And Oh yeah. Recently. About, yeah. Yeah. Like two weeks, like last week. And I was listening to it and I was just so interesting. They were talking about, 
how much, I mean, they spent like two years writing and recording that album to just like all of a sudden, like, you know, all of a sudden they were getting all this pushback and the songs that, I mean, like obvious and down and violence, like asthenia and go like those songs are incredible. Yeah, and dude. I miss you is a great song. I, I don't get me wrong. It's, it's the worst one on the album, but it's I, a I great agree. song. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'm that's that's my all time favorite Blink album. I I bought the uh, special edition of that album and it came with the commentary behind each one of the songs and and it was uh it was really cool to hear the commentary around each song because it was like okay. it talked about the stri- strategies they implemented for making some of the sounds like that uh um some of the sounds they did with uh with the drums and they literally had a microphone on a turntable spinning around in circles to get some of the sounds. And I was like, dude, this is cool. (laughs) Yeah. Travis recorded his drums in like in a hallway or Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. They did so many different things to make the songs just sound. And they, it wasn't a lot of digital alterations. It was a lot of, they did a lot of stuff like with actual uh, analog adjustments, right? Like they, they were using, physical means to to make things work like the way that they reverberated the sound and where they recorded stuff and the the mics they used for recording and stuff they used it all just to to get that sound and i was like dude these guys that was when i was like oh these guys are actually really talented yeah (laughs) and you i mean you brought up like drums earlier like if you think about it the drum sounds on that album that just they're just incredible like oh yeah down the drums on down is like one of the coolest drum drum beats like it's crazy i'm not a drummer so when i listen to music that's not the first thing i normally think of i mean uh, like from a musician sense like the snare in a mix like if that's if that sounds off or not correct i guess like that that'll kind of ruin something for me yeah but the drums on i mean there's just certain albums that i listen to that i'm like and all i can think about is man these drums sound so good yeah if you go back and listen to, to hidden in plain view. Oh yeah. And you just listen to, to their, their drums. My, my brother-in-law's a drummer. And so he started making me pay attention to a lot of this stuff, <laughs> but apparently the drummer for hidden in plain view would double up the bass. So he'd go two deep bases. So he'd combine them. And so the, 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 the bass of the drum was like real resonant and real boomy and right. uh had just a crazy cool sound and i was like what are you kidding me and he showed me i was like dude this is nuts <laughs> right that is no that is like seriously like it that's what's awesome about music is it it really you can just nitpick every little thing and it sucks being like a guitar player and a bass player and you listen to you listen to bands and you listen to records and you're like man i just the bass sounds so weak here or the guitar tone is weird there. And it's mm-hmm. like, it kind of sometimes detracts like your ability to like enjoy the music. And I find myself at times being like, just listen to it, Mark. Like, don't <laughs> like, like it doesn't, not everything has to be so criticized. You know what I mean? And, and so I think that that's just something that like I'm trying to get better at is like, you know, like it's hard for me to listen. Like as much as I love Dookie, there's times where I'm like, man, those drums could have sounded better. Yeah. So distorted. You what, know? Dookie was what? 96? 94. 94, dude. For Here that. I was born. Dude, that's. 
That's so long ago. It's crazy. Cause like you listen to those albums and you realize they, they, they were in such a foreign territory recording punk music in these studios. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was like, you know, they were struggling for years and years and years. And all of a sudden this album that they make is just, it's, it's literally gold. Yep. <laughs> like it, yep. I think it was old a few years ago and they're in the rock and roll hall of fame and they're well-deserved, but well-deserved, they like, I actually really enjoyed his, his soul, like his covers that he did of a lot of those oldies songs, oh, yeah. but man, I really did not like anything green day has done recently at all. <laughs> oh. Well, we talked about bands that phone it in. I mean, that last album that they did, like, that Father sounded nothing like Green Day at all. <laughs> so, like, you listen to it and you're like, you can tell Billy Joe is like, he goes into his studio and he's like, I'm just gonna write. I'm just, I'm just writing this album, and I'm just whatever works is gonna work. Yeah, but did you hear you know? the the what was it? The long shots? Is that what his? Yeah, his like side his project side or something. Yeah, that Actually, one like, sounded pretty darn good. That one was pretty authentic sounding. Yeah. And during COVID he was doing like live streams and his kids are like playing drums and guitar. Dude, it's they're like, so, they're so old. They are so old. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Like it's yeah. so bizarre to me to realize how old all of these musicians that I grew up on. I'm like, Oh right. my gosh, dude, like I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. And you see like Billy Joe Armstrong and he has kind of like wrinkly, like a wrinkled forehead. You're like, man. Yeah. And then you the freaking I mean? the freaking bass player still has the same hair, but he's like sixty. You're like, dude, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta do something, man. You gotta do something. <laughs> right. All Is it the bass player or the drummer? Problem. I don't remember, but <laughs> uh, I think both of them have questionable hair. But the uh, the on that same subject, like you know, on a more serious note, like with Mark Hoppus and his cancer diagnosis, like, oh, dude, such a bummer. I mean, Mark Hoppus was like literally the reason that I wanted to play music like Mark Hoppus, Tom DeLonge, like both of those guys. But I mean, I, I played bass first. That's what I started on. Mm -hmm. And so, so just, just the fact of like, when I found out about that, it was just, and same thing with like in the metal community with, you know, Joey Jordison, you know, like, Oh yeah. That's so, uh, so many people. You see the Slipknot one. Yep. Yeah, okay. the old drummer in Slipknot, and then he did like Murder Dolls and some other. Bands, well, then there's so. the guy from We Came as Romans who passed away too, right? Right. Yeah, we took Tom from Architects. Like, just a lot of like it's crazy. Like the older that we get, and you see, and the musicians that pass away, you're like, you know, back in the '80s and '90s, it was like when Dimebag passed away, it was like this ginormous thing. But mm -hmm. that was before social media. Yep. You know, now we have social media and it almost affects us differently. In, it's in true. I'm wondering. We kind of feel closer to the bands. Right. Like they, you're kind yeah. of more involved in, in their music. Cause right. back in the day it used to be, you would go to their shows and you'd have the inserts from their albums. That was kind of like your connection right. with, or magazine articles too, I guess. But, but now it's like daily Instagram posts, live streams. Like there's so right. much content with these people. You feel close to them, yeah. you know? Like Tom DeLong, like you know what kind of day Tom DeLong's having because he posts on his Instagram like five times a day. Yeah, you know what I mean, like yep. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I I literally know what Tom did this morning, what he did at noon, and what he did before he went to bed. Like, yeah, dude. And back in the day, like you just, I mean, and we don't know this. I mean, we do kind of like when we were young kids, but like our parents' generation, it was like 
going to a concert, it was like, that was the only time they would ever see mm-hmm. that musician. You yeah. Know what I mean, like that's like my mom loves Fleetwood Mac, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, she doesn't do social media. She doesn't do any of that, but like, you know, go like, like that was like a, a, a big deal to see her live. It was, you know, that's why Michael Jackson and, and Prince and like all these, you know, just legends, you know, they were legends. Cause at the time it was just, they were bigger than life, you know? Yeah, it's true. I mean, queen, another one, you know, just like yeah. craziness, dude. Yeah. The Beatles, like they literally made music in a time like they, they, they just like, they changed the way music yeah. was thought of. Like it was, it was like, so like they took rock and roll to a completely different level. You know what I mean? And that's like, I'm not going to say I'm a, such a Beatles fan. Like I like listening to them once in a while, but like I have a lot of respect for them. Absolutely. Like, and, I saw, and I saw Paul McCartney live and he is incredible. Yeah. I've <laughs> like, heard, I've heard he knows how to, uh, I mean, obviously when you like, and I don't know if you've like, there's Malcolm Gladwell. I don't know if you've read any of his books, but, um, one of his books, um, I think it's outlier. He talks about the Beatles and you should just look up this, like the actual, like story of the Beatles before they became the Beatles, like before they became the Beatles, everyone knows, um, they were playing, what was it? I think they were playing upwards of 50 hours of live music a week. Oh, I believe it too. And they were just building up this crazy amount of talent and just learning all of the, how to perform when, when down, how to perform when excited, how to, you know, how to rein in, get a crowd energized. So he's, they're learning all these things, 50 hours a week. And this is before they were even famous, right? So they were literally just playing covers for 50 hours a week of other people's music and sprinkling their own stuff in every once in a while, just diving super deep. And it's, it's a really cool, it's actually really fun to follow the story. Cause um, I think it was in the book outliers. It was really awesome, but Oh, I, I had actually one, one question. Cause when you were like, yeah. you know, Mark hop is Tom DeLong. There's the age old debate, right? Like, is it, is it boxcar racer plus 44 or angels and airwaves? Okay. I love this debate because I'm a Tom <laughs> super fan. I'm a, I'm a Tom super fan. So, um, okay. That's really hard. So, so angels, <laughs> so, so angels and airwaves first, because they've made multiple albums. Tom, like, I mean, Tom's done so many, so many records with angels and so far. I guess that's a valid, yeah, that's a valid argument. That's valid. Box, box, car <laughs> racer, box car racer is second. That album is so good. Crazy like, good. Crazy good. Like the recordings are awesome. The music, the songwriting, you know, he goes emo. It's, it's great. It's awesome. And I'll be honest with you. I didn't like plus 44 at all. Like, I mean, not, not at all, not, huh? I just didn't, to me, it was so like, it was just clear that like Mark needed, in my opinion, I think that he realized like it, it's hard to write music without Tom because Tom is just such a, he's such a songwriter. You know what I mean? And I felt like I just didn't, I felt like the reason I loved angels and airwaves, it was experimental. It was different. It was atmospheric. It was Mm -hmm. just making me feel different than those blink albums did. 
Not that yeah. they were better or worse, but it was just it was just different. And I felt like with plus forty four, and I love Travis Park and I love Mark, but I just I didn't I just didn't like the songs per se. Yeah. However, I would have liked them to start plus forty four again instead of continue on with Blink. Because it basically is plus 44. I was actually going to say like the new stuff is basically plus 44. (laughs) I I am so, and I'm really biased because like Tom is like my idol, but literally it's, I just can't get down with, and to be, you know, to be objective, like who else would they would have found? I mean, Matt Skiba does a great job. Stellar musician, right? Like Alkaline Trio is bomb diggity, but still not Blink-182. Right. And, and I loved Mark. I love how Mark is like, I feel like Mark Hoppus is kind of like, I want to be, I want to live the glory days. And like, obviously being in Blink-182, you make a lot of money. So like, I'm sure that's another reason of like, well, this is my career. I don't want to do more side projects. I know yeah. Simple Creatures with Alex from All Time Low, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's um, kind of fun. Yeah. I yeah. Like I, I just, I don't know. I, I think that what I like about Mark Hoppus is that he, I think he loves like the legacy of Blink and he doesn't want to let that go. And I think Tom is all about like, I want to be more experimental. I want to do, I want to achieve stuff that I can't achieve in Blink. And I've always, I've liked both sides of it. I just personally wish that they would have not, they would have just ended Blink after Tom left again. Yeah. And just let it go. I still have, I'm holding on to the hope that Tom will, re, will rejoin. I think like, I think when Mark beats cancer and I think when Tom finishes that Angels and Airwaves album that he's been working on for like seven years. Dude, uh, this one's, this one is all over the place, bro. Yeah. The first the singles that have come out are like, so not related to one another. No, but they're so yeah. cool. <laughs> and I feel like, I feel like he's trying to do that on purpose and he's like, he's like, Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm going to try to make, you know, cause Angels and Airwaves is already a different project in general but like Mm -hmm. literally i think he's just trying i think he's just he's just trying to make it interesting yeah do you know that do you know if he got the same people back because i know like angels and airwaves was a super band because he had what two people from 30 seconds to mars he had himself um and he had some uh a bass player from another stellar band right so yeah. he had like a super band. Did he do the same thing again? No. So when he, um, so they did, we don't need to, so they did that whisper record, I empire and then love with Matt is there. There was their bass player, um, Adam Willard. He was in 30, I think he was in 30 seconds that you're referring to. And then David Kennedy, um, who was in Boxcar racer with Tom. Oh, okay. Our player. So, um, they put out love, love Two, And then, uh, I don't know what happened, but like Matt wanted Matt, their bass player at the time wanted to like be with his family. I think Adam Willard wanted to do other drumming projects or other stuff going on. And then I think, uh, and then David Kennedy was just kind of wanting to start his own coffee company. Cool. Um, I'm, I'm such a nerd about this. I can't believe I even know. That's so this. funny. But, yeah, dude. I'm just like getting my education here on 30 or on, uh, on freaking angels and airwaves. <laughs> But since they've but since they've come back from that hiatus, they did that uh, that Dreamwalker album, and it was just Tom and um, Alon, their drummer. Okay. And he drummed, he drummed in Thirty Seconds to Mars. So, um, and Nine Inch Nails. So like he's been in like 
giant band. Yeah, like they're all super. Like I said, it's like a super band, dude. Like right. And then the, their bass player Matt it was the old bass player in Taking Back Sunday. So oh, okay. So that was that's yet another boring. member of a super band right there. <laughs> right, and, and then David Kennedy was in Boxcar Racer with Tom, and I think he was in other bands with Tom, like before, like when they were kids, like growing up. Because I think they grew up in, a, um, in the same area, like San Diego. So nice. I'm just a nerd, man. Dude, I'm that's just so funny. The best band. It's they're the just the best. That's <laughs> so awesome. No, it's it's fun to uh, it's fun to talk. Dude. Like we've been nerding out. We hardly talked about your music. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I mean, I will just say that we're working on new music. Uh, we're going to start recording hopefully in the winter here in the next couple months. Um, we have shows. We have a show at Ice House on the 17th of September. We have Sick. we have a show with I, Glacier Veins and the home team uh, at Kilby Court on October 21st. And then we're playing at Ice House again on December 10th, I believe. Nice, so, dude. Yeah, October. so we have those three shows booked and we're going to try to we're going to try to record as much as we can and try to get new music out. And yeah, we're trying to just trying to be busy, you know? Nice dude. So you're not taking shows for granted. Yeah, dude, you're playing, uh, um, let's see. I'm trying to think of what days I have every, like, cause I, there's so many concerts coming up, bro. Like it's crazy. Thank God. Yeah, exactly, dude. I'm I'm stoked. But yeah, it's uh Matchbox Twenty. I'm a huge Matchbox Twenty fan. And that, oh, for real? That, yeah, that show got postponed to 2022, but it sucked because it would have been their 20th like anniversary tour. So I was like really looking forward to it. And um, Four Year Strong's coming up in September, and Newfound Glory and Simple Plan. Yeah, so I've got tickets to Newfound Glory and Simple Plan. Cool. I've got State Champs and Real Friends. That rocks. And I've got the used and coheed. Love the used. Yeah. So the used and coheed. I actually, I weirdly enough, I'm actually most excited for Meet Me at the Altar. Um, Interesting. Because they're making some freaking stellar music. Those three girls are just nuts, dude. They're so they talented. Are, they rock. Yeah, they rock. They're so, actually really cool. So I'm actually most excited for that, which is kind of strange, but I'm, dude, like, the used is a yet another great example of a band that just says, eh, whatever F it. I'm just going to try and do whatever, like make whatever I want to make and just make it crazy. And I think, you know, freaking, uh, um, I just spaced his name. Goldfinger. Um, John he, Feldman. yeah, John Feldman has just elevated them to, to like, he's a legend. I mean, think about all the bands he's recorded. Oh, like, I know, dude, time, he's crazy. Like low. He's put them at a different level. Um, Dude, he's, he's taken he's, so many bands to different levels. Like, he's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I I love Goldfinger, too. Like, John Feldman's so awesome. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I never really got super... I got more into John Feldman as a producer because I love the records he's done. Like, the way he does drums and the way he does, like, guitar tones is just crazy. Yeah, he just knows what's up, dude. Yeah, I, I do love Goldfinger. I loved how they played Warped Tour like a few years ago. Like, yeah, they- <laughs> dude, he, I just laugh. I, I it just makes me laugh. All these old people playing music still. It just kills me. I love it. Oh, I love it. I think it's so like bad religion. How they literally 
just been a band for 30 plus years and they're just playing the same kind of venues. It's like, it's just cool. Yeah, dude. Oh, I mean, I was, uh, I was actually going to mention that before too. Like when you were talking about John Mayer, like who could, who could just like leave music and and be like, like when you said bad religion, I don't know why it made me think of the grateful dead, but, uh, um, but like John Mayer is just kind of like, uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to write anything new. I'm just going to, be the touring guitarist for the grateful dead for a few years. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just kind of like, it's kind of like screw all you guys and your negative attitudes. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm bored. Yeah. I'm going to go, not only going to do that, but I'm going to like, from a guitar nerd standpoint, he's like, I'm just going to go create a new guitar with Paul Reed Smith. And yeah. Make a completely new, it looks like the, yeah. looks like the strat, but it's cooler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, hundred percent dude. He, I don't know. I, I love John Mayer. I think he's, I think he's has it all, man. I think he has the guitar playing the Rolex. He's got, the lyrics. He's got the voice. Like, I think he's, he literally checks off all the boxes for me. Like, Dude. He's he got the swag too, man. Yeah. He's and, then, just, and then you think about it and you're like, his dating life must be so complicated. You know well, I mean? dude, like the poor guy just gets lambasted cause he dates oh, yeah. girls. Like it's like, dude, screw all those girls, man. Like John Mayer was not in the wrong. Right. (laughs) I was, I got in an argument about him and Taylor Swift, like with my sister-in-law. I was like, yeah, I was like, dude, Taylor Swift definitely was the dirtbag in that relationship. John Mayer's (laughs) definitely not. (laughs) That was my argument. And she's like, how do you know? I was like, because I just, I just, that's what sounds right to me. I think what makes him even more hysterical is he dated like Katy Perry and Taylor Swift at like the same year. Yeah. It's like, wow, what a, what a guy, you know? Yeah, dude. I mean, he's dated like every attractive woman in Hollywood, bro. Like, right. And he's he's like, and he's like, probably talked with his friends and he's like, how many attractive people have you guys dated? You know what I mean? He's like Jennifer Anderson. Yep. Yep. Jennifer Anderson. Yep. Yep. Uh, Taylor Swift. Yep. Katie Perry. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and you think he measured himself like, Oh, how many, how many celebrities, how many pop actresses have I like, can I date in one year? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know yeah. what I mean? It's crazy. Dude. It's so- he's, he's, he's so suave, man. He's crazy. <laughs> how does oh. he have time for music and guitar playing? It makes no sense to me. Well, yeah. I mean, he became like a, a hermit in Montana for a while when he made that, that one album, oh, you know, like we made that. What was that album? It was uh, born and raised. I think born and raised. Yeah. And Such a like, stellar album, dude. It's stellar, but like he definitely, he, he fits the part in that like country. Uh-huh. Thing. Yeah, bro. Yeah. That's the other thing I love about him is that I feel like each album you listen to is completely just a different journey. You know, it is. Yeah. Like this new one, very eighties. The other ones were very, folk Americana and then blues and, and, and jazz before that. And like, he's just kind of like, he he just makes whatever he wants to make. And it's like, that's, that's the dream right there. You know? Right. That's literally. And I'm sure he had to work so hard. Like I'm, I'm actually being dead serious. I mean, he has a degree. I think he went to like music. He went to Juilliard. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, I mean, he's worked very hard so there you can't, I mean, but Dang, like, oh yeah, he's earned his keep, but it's definitely like yeah, it's come with a price. Yeah, like the dude, the dude's crazy awesome. 
I, uh, are you going to go see him? Are you going to go see him in a couple months? I think it's next month, I believe. Uh, I'm going to, now I'm going to. <laughs> tickets are, I think tickets, they were on sale a few weeks ago. A lot of the guys, a couple guys in my band are going. Um, I have to get mine. I'm, I'm sure they're going to be a lot. <laughs> yeah, they better not sell out, dude. I, uh, yeah. oh man. Yeah, I want to see him live. He's, there's, there's a, he's one of those ones who, I've seen live performances, but never actually attended one of his live performances. So I want to be right. there and see it. Yeah. I've ne- yeah. I've never seen him live either. He's, again, he's such a legend that he doesn't tour that much. It's weird. Yeah, dude. So, I want to see him live. Cool, man. Um, but I've, uh, I really appreciated you talking to me about this and having me on, man. It's been Dude, really fun. Absolute blast, man. I, uh, I sorry for taking so much of your time. <laughs> we, no, we just you're talked awesome. forever. <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. Oh man. Well, dude, I, uh, I appreciate the time you took and, uh, um, we got to do this again when you've got new music coming out, man. I, uh, obviously you're going into the studio this winter, so we'll make sure to, yep. to get you back on the podcast soon after thank you so much man we'll do it and uh i i listen to every episode you make so well Um, i appreciate that that means the world yeah (laughs) thanks brother and you made it to the very end if you got to this point awesome i really appreciate you taking the time to listen it was a lot of fun talking to mark so go show some love to him to his band and you know, while you're at it, show some love to the podcast, share it, like it, subscribe, and I'll look forward to talking to you guys next week. But until then, deuces.